Uh, I was thinking a moment ago about Kevin's sudden announcement that I might be participating on the platform uh, February 14th. Well, I need you to know that I'm on the platform, okay? That's, just, that's not new. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, there's no big surprise there, so I don't know if that's the, the surprise or not. But, uh, but then I also recall, you know, uh, Kevin's the one that said two weeks ago and declared to all of us that he was handsome. Uh, so we do know that there's a little truth issue going on there, but, you know, God bless him. I do want to reiterate, uh, all of you be here tonight for the business meeting, our quarterly ministry meeting, formerly known as our, minist- our business meeting, so that we will really consider some very important things in the life of our church. Need our members to be here for that. Yes, you are welcome to come as well. There's no better way to learn about the, uh, a church than be a part of a business meeting and see what's going on there. Uh, we are just delighted when you see Mary baptized, so many like us that have been saved and co- gone through baptism, uh, becoming part of the body of Christ. What a joy, what a blessing that is. The Bible teaches when you came to faith in Christ, Christ set you free by giving you eternal life. He set you free from sin and death. Now, I'm reminded, as you read this week, North Carolina native uh, Ronnie Long was released from prison. Uh, native of Concord, he had been imprisoned for 44 years for a crime he did not commit. And they've proven he did not commit it. Took him 44 years to be released. They vacated his sentence and released him this past week. Uh, so Ronnie Long knows what it means to be uh, imprisoned and convicted for something he did not do. But see, in Christ, we are set free though we are guilty. We know we're guilty of crimes against God. God knows we're guilty of crimes against Him. We know and God knows that only God can satisfy the penalty for those crimes, those sins. We try to do it. We work hard. We think we can be good. A lot of times that's, that's our motivation even for going to church. We think we can please God and and be good people and get into heaven. But you understand the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that heaven is reserved for those who have called upon Christ as their Savior and submitted to Him, received Him as their Savior. Because here's what God did. The way God set you free was agreeing with you and you agree with Him that you're guilty and then trusting the death of Christ on the cross and His resurrection to pay the penalty for your sin. You're not set free because you're innocent. You're set free because you admit that you're guilty when you come to Christ. And he says, now you get it. And then you are, you are blessed by the grace of God to know he died on the cross for you. God raised him from the grave to pay the penalty for your sin. That's what it means. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be set free. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That's what all believers have in common. That salvation in Christ. And from there, God leads us and God teaches us and God helps us grow as a Christian. The Bible teaches God's objective is to make each one of us more and more like Jesus every day. I won't ask you how you're doing, but that's God's objective. How are we to make us more and more like Jesus every day? Today and next week, we are wrapping up the book of 1 Peter. So find in your Bible once again with me, 1 Peter and chapter 5. 1 Peter and chapter 5. Uh, This week, the passage we're about to read is Peter's conclusion of his teaching, his main teaching 
throughout the book, which hinges, you'll recall, hinges on that salvation in Christ, which he calls our living hope in Christ. Our resurrection is Christ's resurrection. We are raised from the grave, saved in Christ, raised from the grave in Christ. Our living hope is the life of Jesus Christ in us. And that's threaded throughout uh, his letter. So uh, this morning we're going to read, uh, as he wraps up, the teaching part of the letter. And next week, the goodbyes in the letter. Uh, but pay attention to that because these are the, to him, this is the most important thing to say. He's, he's signing off. He's wrapping up uh, this letter to Christians that are in, in persecution, this letter to Christians who are suffering for their faith and suffering in this world and wondering what's going on. Christians who are in the first century of being a Christian at all. They're hearing all of this for the first time, learning all of this, experiencing all of this for the very first time. And Peter says, this is what I want to leave with you. This is what you must Remember, as I close out this letter. 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll pick up reading at verse 10. And you'll remember, this follows last week when, we, when he uh, reminded believers of the enemy. Satan himself roars like a lion, prowling around, seeking someone to devour. So then in verse 10, he says, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself re restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter intentionally packages the teaching about Satan, which we read last week, we looked at last week. He intentionally packages that between two clear statements of the nature and the character and the actions of God. You'll remember uh, prior to looking at the passage about Satan, uh, Peter wrote about God's goodness toward you, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That, that's your God. And then he, asks, then he answers the question. He reminds believers that if you doubt the care of God, the goodness of God, don't forget there you have an enemy who wants you to doubt God. He wants you to doubt the care and the goodness of God. And when you're in the middle of suffering, frequently Satan will implant that doubt in your mind and say, why would you be going through this if God really cared for you? Or why would God be letting this happen if he could do something about it? In other words, is God truly loving? Does he really love you? And maybe he loves you, but he's not strong enough to change the circumstances or do anything for you. Which is it, Satan says, and leaves you swirling in a puddle of doubt. So then Peter puts the second part of the teaching on God and with the part about Satan in the middle, he packages it this way to remind us of the nature and the grace of God. Uh, verse 10, we read, God, the God of all grace, it's written in the original language in contrast to the previous section on Satan. And you could put it this way, but God, the God of all grace. In contrast to Satan, who's prowling around seeking someone to devour, God is a gracious and mighty God. And Peter says, I want to leave you with this, my brethren in Christ. You can trust God. There's an enemy among us, but there's a God that we trust. And for whatever you're going through, whatever persecution, whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever heartache, whatever joys, whatever victories, God does not change. And you can trust your God in all things.
Because, Peter says, this, this is the core part of his character to pay attention to. He is the God of all grace. He is the God of all grace. You ever wondered if you've done something so bad? Your crimes against God are so deep. He doesn't love you. He wouldn't be gracious toward you. Peter says, no, no. He is the God of all grace. There's no grace outside of his dominion and his character. It's all part of who he is. He is always gracious. He always expresses grace. He is the God of all grace. When you need a capstone to understand the character of God, remember, he is the God of all grace. All loving, all powerful, and all grace. That's who he is, Peter says. So you can trust God. Let's go back to the passage again. And remember why you can trust the God of all grace. For what you can trust the God of all grace. Here's what Peter says. First of all, you can trust God to save you. You can trust God to save you. Because God does it his way, not our way. And you can trust God to do it his way, not your way. You can trust God to save you, and when he saves you, he saves you for eternity, permanently, properly, better than we could do it ourselves. Now, the, 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 under, the point that underscores this is, and pay, always pay attention to this. Christian, listen, you believe God saved you. I hope. If you're a Christian, you dedicated your life to Christ, you follow Christ as your Savior, you believe God saved you. I got news for you. That's the hardest thing he ever had to do. If he can do that, what are you worried about? What are you worried about with, with God working in your life? You doubt him for other things. You doubt him showing up. He won't show up. He doesn't love you. won't answer your prayers. You wonder if he knows what he's doing. He saved you. What else do you need to know? And that's where Peter starts. The God of all grace, listen, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Now let's break that down just a minute. In the Bible, salvation is understood theologically to be already and not yet. That is to say, when you're saved in Christ, you are saved in Christ, but you are also being transformed in Christ. And your eternal life starts now and is also up ahead. It's part of your experience and you're, you're attached to Him in Jesus Christ. So you're growing in grace, you're growing in Christ. Uh, so a lot of times when the Bible talks about salvation, it talks about it, as we, as we understand it too, as you being saved from your sin. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's, it's a gift of God. Notice that past tense. You have been saved. Peter does the same thing here. You were called. Uh, here, and many places in the Bible, the term called is a synonym for salvation. But it puts the focus on God's side of the transaction. God called you to Christ and you answered that call. That's how you were saved. And you answered it God's way. You repented of your sin and you put your faith in the grace of God in Jesus Christ to save you. But God is the one calling you. God is the one urging you. Listen, if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, you're at home and you're not a Christian, and you wonder what that constant, that prevalent pull is, in your life. It's God at work in your life. The Bible says Jesus himself taught 
The Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of unbelievers, people who have never trusted Christ, and he's doing three things. He's convincing them of who Jesus is, he's convicting them of their sin, and he's calling them to Christ. But it's up to us to answer the call of Christ. So Peter writes to believers, these are Christians, and they know it. They have answered the call to come to Christ, so he says in past tense, you were called, and listen to this, to this. Sin is in the past. So Peter focuses on what you were called to, what you were saved to. You were saved from sin and death. You were saved to the glory of eternal life in Christ. There's that eternal hope, that living hope Peter talks about. You weren't saved just so you could go, okay, I've got a ticket to heaven. No, no, no. You were saved to relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Not just from your sins and from death, but to relationship. And notice it is in Christ and only in Christ. Your forgiveness is in Christ. It's associated with his death on the cross. Your resurrection and eternal life is in Christ. His resurrection is your eternal life. That's what it means to be in Christ. You're inseparable from Jesus Christ if you're a Christian and you're a follower of Christ. Peter says, what are you worried about in this life? You can trust him to save you. You've already done that. So second, Peter says, you can trust him to sustain you, to take care of you. And one of the fascinating things that Peter does is he connects time with eternity. The Bible does this frequently. Peter does it outright here. Everything we're talking about related to you living out your life right now, Peter says is just like what's coming next. So he says, next, God himself, he himself, you think God is relational, you think God loves you, God is crazy about you, and he, he himself is personally involved in your life. He is not a God who saves you and then departs and says you're on your own. He is a God who is who is personally himself actively working in your life. Now you respond to him. You have responsibility. I have responsibility. We have free will. We respond to him properly. But he's regularly at work in your life. And when you trust Christ as your Savior, he makes some promises to you. And you are standing on those promises. You are living on those promises. And those promises are grounded not in your goodness, but in the character of God himself. The God who cannot change, the God who cannot be unfaithful, the God who cannot let you down, his promises are the reason you can know he is in your life, working in your life, will not depart from you, is always with you, whatever you're going through. So Peter says this, there are four things Peter mentions, there are other things, but other ways to look at this, and put together, these are kind of wrapped in a big package, almost all part of the same thing, but Peter breaks them down, so let's do that too. When he talks about this, you can trust God to sustain you. Peter says, first of all, God restores you. God restores you. The term translated restore refers to completion or perfection, but more literally means he arranges things in the proper order. Do you ever feel like your life is out of order? Anybody? Am I the only one? Do you ever feel like things are just a little out of sync? Things you thought were going really well suddenly are not. Plans you had suddenly don't, don't unfold the way you thought they were. 
Worse, you make decisions that you thought were good decisions, and guess what? Not so much. You're standing on the promise that God, when you trust him, is involved in your life, and he sets things back in order. Now, this is also, Peter says, an eternal promise. It means that you can trust him to one day bring all things to completion, to one day bring all things in, the, in your life and in the universe and set them in their proper order. It means when you look on the world and you see all the chaos and hostility and when you look on the world and see the persecution against Christianity, God will set these things right. It's not because he has no dominion, no power, no authority. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he's not yet set things right. He is at work. Working in your life, so you trust him. But Peter says, God restores you and will set all things right. Peter says also God establishes you. This is a really interesting term because it has to do with your character. And what he means is he will establish you in Christ. He, he will make you more like Jesus when you trust him. He's growing you in grace. He's growing your character to be more like Christ. Some of us in this room, you had an experience this week, last week, you weren't very Jesus-like, were you? The good news is God hasn't given up on you. God still has the plan, same plan, the same purpose, the same promise. When you trust him, repent of your sin, come back to him. He's always faithful and righteous to forgive you. And he continues establishing you in Christ, making you more and more like Christ. Until that day, one day, someday, when you show up in eternity and you realize the work he's been doing and Jesus himself greets you at the door and says, well done. Well done. Good, faithful servant. All this time, God's been sustaining you. God's been restoring you. God's been establishing you. You saw some of it, didn't see all of it. You knew it was at work in some ways, maybe didn't get all of it. But you will one day. You will one day. He strengthens you, Peter says. Third, he strengthens you. Very interesting term in the original language. It applies to the way you think. Not to you physically, but the way you think. That is, when you're in the truth and trusting God, when you're in the Word of God and you're in the truth of God, he strengthens your mindset so you see things the way God sees them in your life. When you're going through suffering, when you're facing hostility, when there's persecution in your life, you need to see that from God's point of view. And you're not going to see it from God's point of view if you're not in God's truth, if you're not in the Word of God. But through the Word of God, He strengthens you so you see your relationships. You see the world. You see the culture. You see these things from his point of view. Then one day, someday, in eternity, you will see how things have been unfolding and you'll understand them even more so from God's point of view. God strengthens you to trust him, strengthens your mindset, strengthens your perspective when you trust him. And then last, Peter said, God supports you. God supports you. This term comes from a word that actually means God builds a foundation under you. God won't let you collapse in the midst of your struggle. Isn't that good to know? God won't let you fall through the cracks. God won't let a ravine open up underneath you. God supports you. The term is very literally applied to building a foundation. God is, this is what the Bible means when the Bible says, God is your rock and your foundation. You stand on your God because he will never, never, let you down. 
It's good to know God sustains us in every way, isn't it? Because you might be walking through really harsh, difficult times. You may be looking ahead at uncertainty, looking ahead at doubt. You may be struggling with what this year will bring. Well, you can know that your God is faithful to you. He sustains you. He cares for you. He saved you, and now he sustains you, and he cares for you. God will not leave you or forsake you or let you down. Have you heard about the TikTok Tunnel Girl? The TikTok Tunnel Girl lives in Virginia. Her name is Kayla. Uh, Kayla's been digging a, a uh, storm shelter under her house and, and gathering followers on TikTok. She's up to about 600,000 people watching her dig this tunnel and this storm shelter under her house. And the thing is, Kayla's never dug a day in her life until she started digging the storm shelter. She's never laid block in her life till she started putting up block to secure the wall. She's never constructed pretty much anything at all till now. And it took a while, but her neighbors finally took notice that there was something going on over at Kayla's house. And they called the authorities, and the authorities came over, and the authorities said, you know what, you're not really <laughs> allowed to do that unless we inspect it and be sure that it's okay. I'm reminded of our tendency to think that we've got to take care of ourselves. And a lot of times we do that out of fear. You know what the Bible says? God is your storm shelter. God is your rock. God is your foundation. God sustains you. God takes care of you. When in doubt, run to him first. Trust your God to take care of you. And he always will. He always will. You may not always understand what he's doing. That doesn't mean he's not doing anything means he's taking care of you. Why? Because he's promised he will. And his character, in his character, he will do no less but follow through in his promises. In verse 11, Peter caps off all of the teaching with what we call a doxology and reminds you and me to trust God to secure you and me. God secures you in Christ. Did you see verse 11? Uh, and peppered throughout the Bible and, and in the New Testament, and even in this letter, there are other doxologies, a, a point at which a person is so caught up in the character of God and so caught up in, in thinking about God, and in the case of Peter and Paul writing about God, they have to pause and celebrate God. They have to pause and praise God. That's what a doxology is. And you have a one-sentence doxology in verse 11. To him be dominion. Forever and ever. Why, why, why dominion? It started with the grace of God. Why dominion? He says, listen, this world, the wreck that it is, God is still king. I guess it's still God's dominion. God still reigns. Nothing has changed. If he's promised you you're secure in Christ, you know you are secure in Christ. If he's promised you that one day he'll set things in order, you can know that your king will set things in order. But just in case you missed the point, Satan has no dominion. Fallen humanity has no dominion. Jesus Christ has all dominion. To him is the royalty. To him is the throne and the reign of God. So Peter is talking to these believers so long ago. And in doing that, he wants to make sure they don't forget this. We don't forget this because our time is short and limited. 
on planet Earth. So he says, listen, your God has all dominion. Make sure, make sure that you are serving him in the time that you have. Because how do you respond to a king? You serve a king. How do you respond to a king? You bow to your king. How do you respond to king? You do what he says. So in the time that we have, we don't worry about what's going on in the world. Trust your God to take care of you. Be free of the worry and doubt. Don't let Satan sow that in your life. And serve your God where you are, where he's put you, in the ways he's called you to serve him. And he is always faithful to you. Maybe you're starting out 2024, you're wondering, what in the world is God doing? Maybe 2023 was kind of a tough year, but 2024 starting out, wow. You wonder what's going on. Isn't it good to remember that God is taking care of you? may not look like you thought it would, but God is always in charge. And you can trust your God. You can trust his character. You can trust his nature. You can trust his power. You can trust his love for you. You can trust his grace. You can trust him. Because he saved you, even though he knew you. He knew what you were like. When you came to Christ, he saved you. A lot of you know that Kim and I have been caring for the grand girls this week. The little one's been staying with us. And, and by the way, now I understand why grandparents nap a lot. <laughs> I do. Uh, part of my job this week, my privilege of undertaking, was the baby monitor. Now, for those of us a little bit seasoned, baby monitors to us were glorified walkie-talkies, right? Got one in the baby room, one beside the bed. You could hear stuff, and that was about it. You couldn't talk to them, but you could hear them mumble and whine and complain and snooze and sleep and cry, whatever was going on down there. Well, for those of you who are seasoned and not familiar, nowadays baby monitors are surveillance yeah, we got a camera in the room, a high-def digital camera watching. And I can move with my, my on the other end of the house. I have the receiver with an image of, of her, our grand girl just moving. I can hear her. I can move it. And if I wanted to, I could talk to her. Wouldn't that freak her out? The image moves around. I can see her in the dark. I can see her. If the lights are on, the colors are beautiful in there. What a great idea. In a very similar way, we know God is involved in our lives. See, the grandgirls know Mimi and Papa have domain over the house. They even call it Mimi and Papa's house. We'll be honest with you, she calls it Mimi's house, but I'm there. And, and they have domain, they know we have domain, this is our house. They know when they enter in that they are safe there. And they know they have some leeway to behave how they want to behave. They also know there are rules and guidelines that they need to comply with so life will be better for them while they're there. And, and, and they know that even when they don't see us, we are there. But the thing is, the monitor, the baby monitor, is a reminder that they don't even get quite how much we are there. How very, very present we are. Even when they don't know that we're there, or perhaps don't think that we're there, 
We're there. Ready to leap up the spur of the moment. Ready to, to, to wait and let them roll and see what they do next. Ready to protect. Ready to participate. Ready to help them grow. And learn to take care of themselves. And every day they wake up and they know, well, there's Mimi and Papa. What they don't know is we've been there all along. By their trust, they believe that. They just have no idea how much we've actually been there. This is God's domain. He's not going anywhere. You are in His domain. And you know in your heart that He's taking care of you. Folks, i got to tell you, you have no idea the depth of His love and His grace. Even when you know that He's present, you still don't know how present he actually is in your life. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God loves you enough to send his son to die on the cross for you, raise him from the grave, so you could have eternal life. So you could learn to trust him with whatever you're going through. So you could remember this is his domain. You're living in it. And day by day you trust him more. Maybe you're having a struggle with some things this year, a struggle trusting him with whatever you're going through. Can I encourage you to let that go, to trust your God? He's already saved you. What, what are you worried about? He can handle it, I promise. You and I can't always handle it. We think we can, but no, we need to trust God. He's taking care of you. He'll keep you secure. Would you trust him today? And if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're in this room or you're at home, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity by prayer to put your faith in Christ. And what you're doing is answering the call to follow Christ. You're answering that urgency. You're, you're, you're admitting and acknowledging you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You're, and you would repent of your sin and come to Christ. And you know, and I know that you do, you know that he's been calling you, don't you? You've been holding back. You've been saying, I can handle this, but no. You know he's been calling to you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray a specific prayer out loud. If you're in this room or at home and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, never answered the call to follow Christ, I want to pray a prayer that in faith you would pray as well to put your faith in Christ and give your life to Christ today. If you're a believer here in this room or at home, maybe today is the day to recommit your life to Christ, to start over, to give him your suffering and your burden, to say, yes, God, I will cast my anxiety on you. Yes, God, I live in your domain. God, forgive me for forgetting that I can trust you with everything. Maybe it's a burden of the brand new year. Maybe it's a heartache you've carried over. Maybe there's a sin in your life you need to confess to him today and experience his forgiveness. If he's speaking to your hearts, you know what that is. In just a moment, after I pray, the worship team's going to come and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord today. Heavenly Father, God in this room and at home, we're so thankful, Father, for your grace and your goodness in Christ. We're so thankful, Father, that even when we don't realize just how close you are, how much you're there, Father, you're always there. We praise you, God, for that. We're so thankful, Father, for the love that you've shown us, the mercy, the compassion you've shown us in Christ. 
And we're so thankful, Father, that you guide us, sustain us, bless us, take care of us. From the day we were saved in Christ, you've always been there with us. God, how we praise you for that as well. So I pray for us in this room and at home, believers in Christ, Father, and maybe some of us have wandered away from that from following you and being faithful to you in 2023. God, I pray we would recommit in 2024, starting over in our trust in Christ and believing you. Maybe there's a problem, an issue, a concern, a pain or struggle in our lives, God, and today we would give that to you. We would say, yes, we trust you, our God. Renew that trust in us. Maybe there's another decision we need to make. Uh, maybe like Mary today, we need to follow through in believers' baptism. We need to deepen our walk with Christ and take those steps of faith. Whatever it is, God, I pray we as believers, God, would follow through in those commitments today. I pray for those in this room or at home that know for certain they never answered the call to follow Christ, never trusted you as their Savior. I pray with them right now, God, a simple prayer that by faith, if they would pray this prayer, Father, to put their faith and trust in Christ, answer that call today, they would do that. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know you've been working in my heart, God. I know you've been showing me there's sin in my life. And God, how I thank you for the love you've shown me in Christ on the cross. I know that I can't handle this myself. And I know that I'm not good enough without Christ. So dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. I repent of my sin. Turn my back on my old life. And by faith, I trust you, Jesus Christ, to save me from my sin and give me eternal life. And from this point forward, Jesus, I will follow you all the days of my life. Father, for those in this room and those at home, those who have made decisions and those that need to, I pray you'd work in our midst during this time of response. May we be faithful to respond to Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray.